It seems pretty typical that everything we do is unto God, right? Is it really? It should be. And yet, really, is it? So that's a little bit of what we're going to talk about today. At one time or another, have you ever had doubts about whether or not you are saved? Do you know without a doubt that you are a son or a daughter of the living God? Maybe even now you have some questions about that. Perhaps at some point you have gone to somebody, a pastor or a minister or a trusted friend, and asked them to assure you that your destination for eternity is secure. Have you ever stayed awake at night wondering, have I done enough? For God, am I truly a servant of the living God, or am I simply someone who says it without action? Am I a hireling in the kingdom of God, or am I a servant? Is there a difference? There is. There's a big difference between being a hireling and being a servant or a son in the kingdom of God. And so that's a little bit of what we're going to talk about today. What do the scriptures have to say about being a hireling versus being a son or a servant? In in John chapter 10, verse 11, Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. But a hireling, who is not the shepherd... One who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. The hireling flees because he is a hireling and does not care about the sheep. Think about this for a minute. A good shepherd will lay down his life for his sheep, just as Jesus, who we know is the good shepherd, was willing to lay down his life for each and every single one of us. He cares for us unto his own death, and he did not hesitate to, dis- to go to Calvary and be crucified on our behalf. But a hireling, when tough times come, takes off, deserts his post, runs away, And why? Because he doesn't really care about the sheep. Take a moment to ask yourself, in all honesty, have you ever felt this way when God asked you to do something? I would rather walk away from it. I'll just pretend God didn't ask me to do that. That's asking a little too much of me. Would you truly die for someone else, a stranger you've never met? Someone that you don't necessarily like? Or would you flee when things got really tough? Without even realizing it, many of us in the kingdom of God, despite our best intentions, think and act as though we are hirelings. Why? What makes us act as though we really do not care about the people around us unto the point of death? I believe the answer is that we have not fully grasped 
or understood the full purpose of our calling in the kingdom of God. Do you know what your calling is within the kingdom of God? Are you a follower of Christ because it offers eternal life? If so, you are looking at what you get in the exchange instead of what you can give. A hireling thinks in terms of what he can get in an exchange and not what he can give. Let's be honest, many of us came to the kingdom because of eternal life and an understanding that Christ purchased our eternal life. So what that leads me to believe, and I find in Scripture, is that we are led on a journey of becoming sons of the living God. Most of us, honestly, enter the kingdom as hirelings. It is what we get in the exchange, and that's what draws us to God. But if we take a look at this passage in John, I am the good shepherd, I've heard many people say to me, Well, that only applies to the pastor or the minister. They're the shepherd. They're the ones who shepherd the sheep. It's unfortunate for the pastor or the minister, isn't it? (laughs) But it makes it easier for the rest of us who don't have to fill in that role. And yet, isn't that what a hireling would say? I don't have to care for the sheep. I'm just a sheep. And yet, God has called every single one of us to lead others to be closer to him. In Ephesians 2, verse 10, it says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in. 2 Timothy 2.15 says, Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. All of us, have works that God has prepared in advance for us to do. All of us are asked to present ourselves as a worker who does not need to be ashamed. What is a shepherd? He's a worker. He's a servant. And each of us is called to be a shepherd to the sheep that God puts in our lives. A good shepherd is a good servant. He loves the sheep and he will die for the sheep. Think about when David went before Goliath. What gave him the courage to stand before Goliath? Because he protected the sheep. He protected them from the lion, from the bear, from whatever it was that came to try to get in and destroy the sheep. That is what built David's confidence So that when he stood before Goliath, he could say his God would take down this giant. Every one of us needs to be tending the sheep and allowing God to build our confidence to know that as harder things come our way, we are strong enough to defeat the giants. The principle applies to every single one of us in God's church. One way or another, you are a shepherd. When it comes to serving in love and fulfilling our responsibilities. So what is your responsibility? How do we know what works God has prepared in advance for us to do? 
if he would just send me out an outline of the things I need to get done so I could check them off. I'm a list maker. I love to get lists. I love to cross things off the list. Brad always laughs at me because at the end of the day, I add all the things I did that weren't on the list so I can cross those off also. I feel like I accomplished more. God has prepared works for us, though, and how do we know what they are? What are our responsibilities? Whether we are sons or hirelings in the kingdom of God, we have things that we are responsible to do. We are laborers in the field that God has put before us. We have been commissioned for a very important task. Hirelings, however, don't have the same incentive as the sons or the servants of God. They do not work the way good servants do. Let's take a look at the parable of the vineyard to help understand this. Christ begins this parable and he says in Matthew 20, verse 1, For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. Now when he agreed with the laborers for a denarius a day, he sent them into his vineyard. And he went out about the third hour and saw others standing idly in the marketplace and said to them, You also go into the vineyard, and whatever is right, I will give you. So they went. And again, he went out about the sixth hour and the ninth hour and did likewise. And about the eleventh hour, he went out and found others standing idle and said to them, Why have you been standing here idle all day? He said to them, Because no one hired us. He said to them, You you also go into the vineyard, and whatever is right, you will receive. So the people who arrived at the very beginning of the morning are going to get a denarius. The ones who arrived at the third hour, the sixth hour, the ninth hour, the eleventh hour, they're going to get what is right. Well, what is right? Those who arrived at the morning agreed on a specific wage. They knew exactly what they were going to get for their day's labor. But those who arrived later were simply promised whatever is right. Do we trust people enough to say that they will be just with us, that they will do what is right? Verse 8, so when evening had come, the owner of the vineyard said to his steward, call the laborers and give them their wages, beginning with the last to the first. And when those came who were hired about the eleventh hour, They each received a denarius. But when the first came, they supposed they would receive more, and they likewise received each a denarius. Well, now, come on, that's not fair. Is it? But those who came first agreed to their wage. So what is it of a concern to them if those people who came later receive the same wage that they did? Is that not fair? Well, as my mom told me growing up, at least a million times, get over it, life's not fair. (laughs) 
in fact, she went on to say to me, and she, I remember to this day, and I've told my kids this because I thought it was very good wisdom on her part. She said, I will never treat my kids equally. I will always give each one of you what you need, and you will never be equal. And I learned very early on that my mom would give me what I needed, whether it was the same thing that my brothers got or whether it was different. And I appreciated that, especially in high school. I had the opportunity to go overseas and spend some time in France and England. And I remember my oldest brother saying, that's not fair. You never sent us. And my mom said, you never had the opportunity. But if you had, I would have done whatever was necessary to make sure you were there. There's never a point that God treats each of us equally. He treats each of us according to our needs and according to what he has called us to do. We don't have the right to compare ourselves with one another because we are not going to be treated equally. We don't need equal things. There's no point in taking all three of us kids out to buy new shoes if only my middle brother had holes in his shoes. What's the purpose? God operates in the same way. So we have these people who were very unhappy that they got paid the same wage as people who worked much less than they did. How is it when they first started off that they agreed to a wage, but by the end of the day they decided they needed more? Just because the owner paid those who worked less, a denarius also, why should the first group expect that they get different treatment? But that is how we think, isn't it? If we're honest, as humans, that is what we believe. I worked more, so I deserve more. It's not how things work in the kingdom of God. In verse 11, it goes on to say, And when they had received it, they complained against the landowner, saying, These last men have worked only one hour, and you made them equal to us, who have borne the burden and the heat of the day. (laughs) How often do we complain to God that what we have received from him isn't fair because someone else got something other than what we got? How silly does it sound to say we complain to God, and yet we do. They were promised a fair wage for their efforts, and they received a fair wage for their efforts. But on receiving the same as the rest, they grumbled. They complained. It wasn't a question of anyone deserving more because the ones hired at the beginning of the day got exactly what they were told they would receive, exactly what they agreed to. For them, it was a matter of justice, but it was a justice from their point of view. Matthew 20, verse 13 says, But he, the landowner, answered one of them and said, Friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what is yours and go your way. I wish to give this last man the same as to you. It is not unlawful for me to do what I wish with my own things. Or is your eye evil because I am good? So the last will be first and the first last. For many are called, but few are chosen. I want to take a look at that last 
little bit. Many are called, but few are chosen. Not in terms of the debate that happens often, is there once saved, always saved? Is there predestination? Are there some who are called, but only God chooses a few? I want to take a look at that in terms of this parable that Jesus is giving. The landowner answered and said, friend, I am doing you no wrong. Well, let's change the landowner to God. God says, I'm doing you no wrong. You agreed with me on what we were going, on the exchange we were going to have. Take what is yours and go on your way. If I as God wish to give someone the same as to you, it's because I'm good. And do you have the right to argue with me being good? Is your eye evil because God is good? The first, the last shall be first, and the first shall be last. God makes no distinction by class or socioeconomic status or race or creed or anything else. We are all equal in the house of God, and he is very clear to say that he decides what he bestows on each of his children. It is entirely his decision, and he is good, and he is just. If there is a time that we feel he has been unjust, it is because we are thinking with our own human, carnal minds. We are not thinking in the spiritual realm. Many are called, few are chosen. I'm going to go out on a theological plank. But we're going to get into the story of the talents. And some are given five talents and some are given two talents. And I want to attach that to this verse. Many are called, but few are chosen. We don't all have the same role in the kingdom of God. Some of us are called for a much more difficult road. I don't know about you, but I don't believe that I could have walked the road that Paul was called to walk. I don't believe that I could walk the road that many missionaries in other countries are called to walk. I truly do not believe I could handle the road that God has called my brother to walk, living in Gaza. I just don't think that I could. But God has chosen those people for a walk much more difficult. I'm called, and God has given me a road to walk, but he hasn't chosen me for the hardships that some people have to face. We are all together in this, and yet, in the end, who knows whether my reward will be as grand as my brother's or if it will be on equal terms. But we both get eternal life for the walk that we have chosen. Regardless of how hard his is, regardless of what he faces, Regardless of what happens and God calls him to do and what God calls me to do, in the end we both receive 
a denarius for the walk that he has chosen for us. I don't get to determine my reward. And John doesn't get to determine his reward. He has faced things I can't even imagine. And yet in the end, he could say, well, that's not fair. But that's not God. Many are called. Few, a few of us are chosen for something far bigger and more difficult than the rest of us can imagine. Jesus takes a point in this to show us that the definition of justice in the kingdom of God is not the same as what we believe. It's an attitude of a hireling to think that because we do more, we should get more. It's not the attitude of a son. A hireling believes that he should be paid more if he did more, but a son believes he should do whatever is asked of him because he was asked. And that is an attitude difference between a son and a hireling. I do want to point out, in case any of you missed this, God is always just and God is always right. And there's no arguing with that. He has given us each the means to succeed in the walk that he has set before us. He has, but he has not given us the exact same things. We all have what we need, but we do not have exactly the same. In Matthew 25, verse 14, For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country, who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to each according to his own ability, and immediately he went on a journey. Think of that in terms of Jesus. He called together his disciples and he said, I'm going on a journey. I'm going to be away for a little while. I need you to go out into the field and work. And to some of them he gave five talents, to some of them he gave two, and to some of them he gave one. And it wasn't just the 12 disciples standing around him or his followers at the time. He does that to every one of us that he calls into the kingdom. He gives each according to his own ability. Verse 16, Then he who had received the five talents went and traded with them and made another five talents. And likewise, he who had received two gained two more also. But he who had received one went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. So if we look at this in terms of God, he has given us some of us five talents, some of us two, and some of us one. I would venture to say that the one given five and the one given two acted as sons, and they went out and multiplied what they had. But the one given one acted more as a hireling and went and hid the money so he could just give it back. It allowed him to not do any work but not lose anything, so he couldn't have any consequences for losing the Lord's money. That's never what God asks us to do is to sit and do nothing. Those who were given five doubled their gains. Those who were given two doubled their gains. If you look at it that way, they both doubled what they had. So they came out equal, 
even if one of them actually came back with ten talents and one of them came back with only four. It's all in how you measure it, isn't it? Some of us would say that the one who brought back ten talents was more successful and deserved a bigger prize. And yet God would say, no, you both did what I asked you to do. In Matthew 5:21 and 23, he responds to both the person with the five talents and the two talents exactly the same. His Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. How many of you want that to be what God tells you at the end of your time here? But many of you know that the story goes on to say the one with the one talent, he was cast out for his laziness. I think I'd rather be the one who does the work for the master and not the one who sits and hides and tries not to have consequences. We have to consistently endeavor to do everything we can to serve our master, our God. Whatever the task, and often we need to try to do more than is expected of us. Because that's the attitude of a son. Colossians 3, verse 23 and 24 says, And whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. Everything we do, we should do to our utmost. Do it heartily as unto the Lord and not unto men. This is a huge part of the attitude of a son versus a hireling. A son will do it for the glory of God. A hireling will do it for the glory of himself. In John 15, Jesus says, This is my commandment, Christ said, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends. If you do whatever I command you, no longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all things that I heard from my Father, I have made known to you. We move, we may enter the kingdom as a hireling, gaining our eternal life. We move to a place of being a servant of the Most High and doing what we can to serve Him. But in the end, Jesus says, I have made known to you all the things that my Father made known to me. And because of that, I don't even call you servants anymore. I call you friends. There's a progression that we learn as we walk this life of a Christian. We start off doing what we are doing with the wrong motives to see what we can get out of it. We move to where we serve God to see what we can give to him. And then we move to being sons of the living God so that we can do anything and everything with all that we are to bring glory to him. It's an attitude. 
It's a progression of our faith and our walk with God. A hireling will do no work if there is no reward or no pay. His philosophy is no pay, no work. And when trouble comes, and in life we know trouble will come, he deserts his post. But a good servant, a son of the living God, is interested in doing good work and whatever it takes to the best of his ability, not to be paid, but to bring glory and honor to his God. He expects and is willing to do more than is asked of him, regardless of the cost. That's the difference between a son and a hireling. So if you ever ask yourself, do I really know where I am spending my eternity? Well, ask yourself, why do I do the things that I do? Is it to bring glory to God? Because if it is, you are a son of the living God. Is it to bring glory to yourself? Well, let's face it, some of us all slip and do things sometimes just to gain the recognition. But what is your true attitude? Is it to be all that God asks you to be? Do you seek glory for yourself or do you seek only to glorify God?